going to be talking about um, being a burden bearer, being a burden bearer. And this topic is very sensitive to me. And I believe it's something I've had to dig out because of things that I've been taught. But we're talking about spiritual burden, just the spiritual burden concept is what we're discussing here. And so, Father, I just ask that you're able to um, help your people lay down things that they have believed and just consider the possibility that there's a, a clearer way of understanding this terminology, one that doesn't elevate people, but one that elevates the weight of the calling for reconciliation in the earth. Father, we decree and declare that we will open our ears to you this morning, that we will hear you, and that we are willing to say, I will change what I have thought. I will change what I have perceived so that my heart and my mind can be on what is eternal in Jesus' name. So most of the way that I learned about burdens was God has given me a burden for this because something bad has happened. God has given me a burden for this nation or that nation or these things. And those things are true, but the initial understanding of burden that has been released to us through the new covenant is not about trouble and is not about heaviness in the sense of, oh, woe is me, woe is this world, oh, poor this, poor that. That's not the perspective of burden that I want you to consider this morning. That doesn't mean this isn't part of it, but it does mean that there are multiple definitions of burden. I often tell you all that our English language does the best that it can to translate um, Greek and Hebrew and um, can't even think of the third, Aramaic. It does the best it can, but nothing can replace the original language. And unfortunately, there are some words just due to time that we will never fully get the understanding of. But the word cast your cares upon me, you know, cast your burdens on me, that's a different word than when Jesus says, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Two different words. And what I've understand and what I've learned and what I'm understanding is that we've kind of crossed up all of that in the midst of our teachings. And it has caused a lot of confusion in the body. And as a result, people don't understand what their burden for ministry is versus their the burden being burdened down or, or having a burden for something that is happening in the moment. So we're going to separate those two. And the question that we're going to get to at the end of this is, how do I identify my burden in the sense of how Jesus used it in his conversation and ministry? So I'm hoping that this will bless you. I'm hoping that it'll bring you into um, just a renewed place of hope, a renewed place of understanding. You're going to hear me talk a little bit more about vocational ministry versus support ministry or the ministry of helps. And this is not to make anybody greater because we're all servants. Whether I am in vocational ministry or not, I'm still in the ministry of helps. And people that operate primarily in the ministry of helps 
will also have times where they may elevate into broader areas of leadership as well. So it's not a competition between the little people and the big people. That's not God's intent. The intent is that all gaps are filled, that all services can be had, not only in heaven, but in the earth. So spiritual burdens help us get to that point and that place in our lives. So if any of this witnesses to you, I would love to hear your comments and I'll be watching your um, comments in case I need to redirect what it is that I am um, sharing with you. And I wanna make sure that we're gonna be doing this. So we're not gonna deal with what weight means. That's next time we meet, we're gonna talk about the weight of ministry. We're gonna break it down where people use words like, girl, I'm heavy. We're gonna deal with that because a lot of it is unbiblical. And we're also going to talk about what real weight looks like from a scriptural perspective, not people's feelings and the worship of their position or place in the kingdom. So we have to look at that because some people think that just because they have a title, they have weight and spiritual authority doesn't operate like that. So we're going to look at it in detail over the next few weeks. We're still talking about love. And when you understand burden, you're going to see his relationship to the love of God because the love of God is all about burden. So we have to do this is necessary because of the level of arrogance in the body, because people wanting equality in the realm of the spirit. And there just can't be equality in spiritual things because we're all so different. We all have specialties. We all have areas and things that God has called us to, but we'll always have equalities as sons, equal love, equal fellowship, equal hope, equal... Um, um, access. We'll always have that, but there are some things that will never be sameness between people, and leadership is one of those places where we'll find those differences. So we do need to have this conversation, and we need to have it from an earnest and open place where we're able to love one another through it, and where we're able to not be in competition with one another, because sometimes people are in competition with their leaders, leaders are in competition with the people, <laughs> you know, and so it gets kind of messed up. And if you're in the machine, and if you're in the circus, it can get even more muddled and confusing as people in authority don't even understand how to fight for their own authority in their own ministry. So they began trying to control and manipulate people. And so I have a rule of thumb. I only minister to and chase after those that show interest in leadership and relationship with me. So, and I just want to encourage you, you need to do that in your friendships. You need to do that in the workplace. You, we're not here to contend with each other. I am not begging anybody to be with me and you should not either. And once we kind of grab hold of that and we can get healed from that, we can move in ministry and not be offended. Why aren't they talking to me? Well, are you talking to them? Why does I'm, I feel like I'm left out? Well, are you showing yourself to be included? So it's almost like it's, it's kind of crazy because it's so simple. But at the same time, it can be complicated. God said, you know, he said, I'm here. 
Whoever is thirsty, let him come drink of the river of life freely. So what he means by that, and we see multiple conversations about that across the scriptures, he's just saying the water is here. You can choose whether or not you want to drink it. And I'm okay with whatever your choice is, but you get to choose. So we have to begin to see things a little different, you know, and give everybody grace in the midst of it understand that um we're all growing and and it, it's just we hopefully we're still growing hopefully we're not set in stone but i just want to walk you through this we're going to be looking at matthew 11 25 through 30 and i want you to see this passage of scripture a little bit differently there's a whole lot in matthew 11 but i feel comfortable pulling out verses 25 through 30 because jesus could he he finished what he was saying then he started a new subject to conclude some things when he was talking to um the people in that passage so we're gonna look at this going to look at this and we're going to look at how he was setting people free of an understanding of burdens from the perspective of law now this is the thing when you're in the old covenant burdens were really heavy weights they were really um places of struggle and overload and contention because works ruled in the old covenant it was the works what you do whether you eat this whether you eat that whether you wear this whether you wear that whether you say this whether you say so in the old covenant there were burdens that really were stacked up on people as people tried to do things to please god so this is really, really critical because many people in the body of Christ still teach Judaism. They teach the burden. They teach the heaviness. They teach what Jesus re rebuked the Pharisees and the scribes for. You bear burdens on people that are too heavy for them to bear. And Jesus was saying, I came that they might have life and have life more abundantly. So on this side, they're yelling, you're not circumcised. You don't fast. You don't pray. You don't move your hands when you warring in the spirit. So that's what the Pharisees were doing, right? So on this whole other side, you had Jesus and Jesus is saying, believe on me, trust me, practice love, love one another. He's saying, lay down all of these requirements because you don't need them anymore. I literally stood in the gap for you in the midst of these requirements. So I took on all the requirements. I took on the burden to fast. I took on the burden to... um you know, not to eat this and not to eat that. I took all of that from you. So you don't have to do that anymore. And I rounded it all up into the law that, that and fulfilled it in the law of love so that all you have to worry about is perfecting your faith through grace, right? So this is what Jesus did. And absolutely, when I went back and kept telling you all to study Matthew 5 through 7, I wanted you to study that because I believe the church has missed it. The church has taken Matthew 5 through 7 as just the Sermon on the Mount, which really Christ was doing was dismantling the law. 
He was taking every part of the old covenant law that had been um, placed before people, like, like no more eye for an eye. I now want you to pray for those who spitefully use you, those who curse you. I want you to gently approve your those. You don't have to say scatter my enemies anymore because I'm showing you a better way. So this is this is where we're at. This is where we're at with this. And as long as we see burdens as crushing you, then what you're really saying, oh my God, Christ did nothing for me. He lifted nothing from me. I got to take my own self to the cross. I got to nail myself to the cross right alongside Jesus. And I have to do this all over again. That's what we're saying when we are living out of that old place. So I want you to know that the scripture we're going to read in a minute shows you without question, without debate, that Jesus gave us a different kind of burden. He gave us a different kind of burden because some people are playing Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, you know, and I'm using those terms because religion loves that Holy Ghost word, but God's not a disembodied spirit. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of God, a person, a person is, he's not a ghost, you know, woo, he's not doing any of that. So, you know, we have to get to that point where we can grasp this truth in the midst of um, what is happening and what's going on. So I want you to know what your burden is. And we all have a corporate burden and it's called reconciliation. So every ministry that we have that is a legitimate ministry from God will be a ministry of reconciliation. Whatever you're doing, if it's a selfless ministry, is a ministry that leads to a corporate end, even though it's your individual purpose. So here we are with this. So let's just take a look at Matthew 11. And we're going to actually go to 25. I remember I popped that up a little bit. It says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Whew. Every time he references little children, the, the number one thing I think is whatever I learned today, Lord, let it become, let, whatever I learned yesterday, let it become my floor for today. I will not hold on to it. I will elevate. I will change my thinking. I will be better because of it. I will say this was wrong that I thought yesterday, but it's where I was. So today, Lord, I'm just willing to move forward from that place. My faith is different. My understanding is different. My growth is different. So I'm going to be like a child, waking up every morning like a child, ready to explore, ready to not hold on to something grandma said just because grandma said it. It could still be true, but if I find out what grandma said is not true, I'm going to be willing to lay grandma's doctrine down. So we have to come to a place that we're going to do this every single moment. So Jesus said this in Matthew 26. He said, yes, father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Oh my goodness. I'm going to read that again. Yes, father, for this is what you were pleased to do. God is pleased to do his his will, his will for our lives. He is pleased to do 
his will for our lives. And we know this because Christ is saying, all things have been committed to me by my father. In other words, in other words, the portion Jesus had was committed to him by his father. And he is saying, I am grateful, Father. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. You were pleased to give me my portion. I'm just going to ask you today to thank God for your portion because the spirit of this age has a whole bunch of us wanting to be and to walk in who we were never ordained to be or to walk in. Some of us want callings and positions that were never ours. Some people struggle with their purpose in the earth because they reconciling something, they're not reconciling a truth on the inside of them. Maybe that's not your calling, but you have been holding on to it for 20 or 30 years. Listen, this is not to beat you up, but I believe we need truth and I believe we need some hard truth sometimes. I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe somebody gave you a word that you were going to be the next Oprah. Well, you can't blame God if that doesn't come to pass, especially if that wasn't his word, but your desire. So I hope that you're hearing me in the midst of this. And I, you know, we all do this. We've all believed things that God said. And we thought it was God and it wasn't him. It was our own grandiose ideas, our own things. It was twisted understanding of prophecy. You know, it's so I want you to be encouraged in knowing that you can realign what you think has been misaligned by simply allowing Holy Spirit to receive or to give you truth. I had to tell somebody once, more than once, that, you know, they asked me a question. They asked me what, they asked me this question. Now I'm gonna say this, and I don't know everything, but they asked me, and this was a person that I was um, kind of guiding and helping oversee at the time. And they asked me, um, you know, God, I feel like God told me I was a prophet. And they said, do you see this gift upon my life? And I asked them, I said, I don't feel, I said, I don't feel comfortable answering this. But they insisted and insisted and insisted. And I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back and look at the prophetic words you have received from seasoned ministers in your life. Has anyone ever identified that as a calling? Because you've been in the prophetic environment a long time. And I, and I gave them a list of some things to look at as far as the work of a prophet. I said, do you have, are, are you, where are you assigned? And I took them through the scriptures, showing them the direct scripture that says these offices are for the local assembly. Therefore, and I don't mean a building, I mean they're for the community that you're in or the ministry that you're overseeing. Therefore, you know, because there are all types of prophets and prophet positions. And in the new covenant, prophets don't walk alone. And because God created an interdependency through Jesus and his quest for koinonia. So people argue that, but I can prove that down to the letter that the new covenant is a, is a, a fellowship, it's a community. So there are no lone ranger prophets if there is a real understanding of the new covenant. You don't affirm yourself in the, in the new covenant. All prophetic releases are subject to 
interpretation. Even prophetic words you receive concerning yourself because that's the way the scripture designed it. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole nother story. So we get here and we see Jesus saying, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Oh, my goodness. You were pleased to give me the revelation pertaining to my destiny and my purpose. You were pleased to give me and reveal to me what's needed for me to fulfill my calling. All things have been committed to me by my father. Jesus understood that. No other, listen to this, no one knows the son except the father. In other words, no one knows the son completely except the father himself. And no one knows the father completely except the son himself. And in this case, the son is Jesus. The son is the risen Christ. And those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. In other words, we all have a measure of the revealing of Christ on the inside of us for our purpose and for our destiny. And then he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Burdened here is not the same word meaning as my burden that you're going to get in the next passage. Two completely different words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. In other words, you have heaviness on your life. This is trouble. This word is confusion. This word is chaos. This word is anxiety. This word is about sickness. Come to me, all of you who died, sick, broke down, you got trouble. That's what that word means. And it's not the same as the burden you carry. So what has happened in the body is we have misinterpreted in thinking that the word burden means Oh my God, I can't stand this, so that must be my burden. Oh my God, this gets on my nerves, so that must be my burden. It doesn't necessarily mean that as a calling. As a calling, there are so many different types of burdens. You may go into the grocery store right now. You may see somebody not able to pay for their food and you might feel the spirit of the Lord say, cover it. You may instantly have a weeping for them. You may instantly feel overwhelmed. I've got to minister to them. That is a type of burden, but it is not the calling part of the burden. So the, again, I want you to see this absolutely um there's another comment here that's very good it says um i'm gonna read it it says they were um let me go back up they were burdened by the teachings of the pharisees sadducees and scribes of their day absolutely because they were wrapping nooses around their necks whipping them with law trying to tell them you going to hell if you don't they were doing that kind of thing kind of like folks do in the church today that's the wrong kind of burden and as it refers to a person's calling so you have to have ears to hear for this message because you will easily get offended and i want you to study it out on your own don't take my word for it and please by all means stay in jesus Look at Jesus's use of these words. Stop looking for Isaiah. 
and Jeremiah the weeping prophet, please, because Jesus is a greater prophet. Jesus had a better way. Jesus trumps everything and he became the cornerstone of the congregation. So we have to find a way to look to the cornerstone. What does the cornerstone say about this? Because if the cornerstone is speaking, it will crush everything in the old covenant that opposes what the cornerstone is saying. It's funny how we understand this on the job. So if your supervisor say you got a day off and everybody else doesn't have a day off, look, folks be knowing what that mean, right? You, they're not gonna show up to work. But every day we talk about things in the scripture and people keep going back trying to get old stuff. When there is a new revelation right there in the word. Right there in the word. I'm like, why do you want what the devil got? I promise you there's a scripture that says everything you need for life and godliness, you've already been given it. It is in you. Verbatim scripture. But you have people still trying to snatch stuff out of dead enemy's hand. Crazy. But that's where religion and Pharisees and Sadducees and wayward scribes will have you. They'll have you in that place. And so I want you to see this. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I'll come to me with your trouble and I will give you rest. But listen. Then he flips it and he says, take my yoke. Then what this means, go look it up. I promise you that what this, this is what it means. Take my call to ministry service upon you. What? Take my call to ministry service upon you. But what people have been doing is taking the weight of their friends' problems upon them. And now they got a burden for their friends. And they can't sleep because that burden keeping them up. Well, God never intended for us to carry like that. I'm going to say this again. He never intended for us to become the cross for them. He never meant for us to become another person's sacrificial lamb. He never meant for us to be weighed down and becoming Jesus on the cross to people. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, the call to ministry service and all Jesus does, and I understand that, that meaning, but that's not what I'm talking about. So if anyone sees that passage about taking Torah, I'm giving you a new perspective on that because I don't necessarily agree with that. I want you to see the call to ministry because what Jesus did, if you read Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7, he gave them practical insight for living that caused them to share burdens. Oh my goodness. He caused them to share burdens. Share, not take them up. And I hope you're get, gathering that. So what do I mean by that? A practical example. So, all right, so we have a disagreement. So the first thing some people wanna do is go to court and accuse, slander you on 
social media. They want you to pay what you owe and they take you to court for this. But God says, listen, Jesus says, listen, on the way to court, work it out. Are you following me? He's saying, find a way to work it out while you are on the way. And how can you be so broken that you are willing to share in the responsibility of that situation. And that person says, well, I know I owe you $10. I can give you six. Is that okay? That's how you share burdens. I hope you are listening. I want you to listen. We are, this is a new day. New day. I'm living right now. I'm not living in the time of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Samuel and they, I'm not living in their day. Take my yoke. Take Jesus's call to ministry service. I came to give you life that you might have life more abundantly. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. Then on the flip side, oh my God, love your neighbor as yourself. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. See, that rest is an end to striving. It's an end to trying to do everything right. It's an end to trying to be perfect. It's an end it's an end. It's an end. Oh my God, it's an end. For my yoke, my service unto God, oh my God, is easy. That word easy is not American easy. It does not mean it's a breezy peasy, easy, no trouble. It means it's full of grace. In other words, for my service unto God is full of grace. My service unto God is full of grace. My service unto God is full of grace. Look it up for yourself word by word using a good current biblical dictionary. And my burden, your burden is your obligation. Oh my God. See, Jesus said this. He's telling you, he says it's about himself and it applies to us. That's why I'm reading it like this. Jesus says, for my yoke to ministry service unto God is gracious and full of grace. And my burden, my responsibility of sonship, my responsibility of sonship, Jesus is saying his responsibility of sonship is light. In other words, Jesus is not looking at his suffering. Jesus is not going behind that time. Look at all that I've been through. This anointing on my life is big because of all the trouble I've had, all the mess that people teach. Jesus's burden was his burden before he ever suffered. Somebody's going to really be blessed by this. Jesus's burden was his burden before he suffered, before he was sent into the earth. It was his burden when it was prophesied. Oh 
my goodness, your burden has always been your burden because the burden that Christ is, that Jesus is speaking of in this passage is the reason why you were sent from heaven to earth. What were you sent to fulfill your call of service to ministry? What were you sent to do? See, see, my burden is not my testimony. I'm sorry, but it's not. It's not. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life talking about what I've been through. That's not the gospel. It's not the gospel message. It's just the testimony. Whole people have built whole ministries on their suffering. That is not, name one apostle that built his ministry on his suffering. Name one. Name one. You'll never speak to me again, but that's okay. It's my hope that you'll be free. You'll never find any biblical figure who built their ministry on their suffering. That's people stuff. Not God stuff. Oh my goodness. For my yoke, my service unto God is easy, full of grace. And my burden, which is your responsibility for sonship, is light. I did a master class this weekend, and I was talking to people about identifying their burden. And I heard some interesting things. And I look forward to God working out those things on the inside of people because I have this assignment that I've been doing in the School of the Scribe for over a decade. The first assignment that everybody gets from me is, who are you? You have to tell me who you are without telling me about your work, your ministry calling, your fabulous dream realm, how you prophesy, how many people you believe you got saved. Who are you? without all of the trimmings around the Thanksgiving turkey. Who are you? Most people cannot complete that assignment because they do not know who they are outside of what they do and this quote, the calling on their life. I'm telling you, it's a crazy assignment and I have fun with it because I have them come back to it at the end of the program. But it's a profound assignment because most of us can't do this. And that's not because God is not speaking, it's because we have a lot of stuff in our spirit that we just need to clean out. And it's nobody's fault. You know, religion is what religion does. I've been in it, I'm, I'm still coming out of it. But I want you to be encouraged in the midst of that because look, your burden is your responsibility of sonship. What are you responsible for in serving the father? Jesus knew what his responsibility was. I've come to reconcile humanity. I've come to reconcile humanity. Wow, so we're gonna give you a biblical definition of burden. Um, so biblical definition of burden is this, and I have a picture of a baby in the background because like I told you before, there are all kinds of burdens. When you become a parent, you are burdened to raise that child. 
when you birth the ministry, I mean, a, a vocational ministry, you are burdened to nurture that vocational ministry. If you are hired uh, on a job, you are burdened to fulfill the requirements set before you, because if you don't, you out of there. And if you're not a good parent, that child is gone. And you're possibly um, ostracized from that child's life forever. There are all kinds of burdens, both spiritual and natural. But really that word is Jesus used it in this passage of scripture when he declares to us, listen, take my yoke, take my call to ministry service upon you and learn from me. That's what he's asking us to do. Take your burden. What is your responsibility of sonship? How are you participating in this place in the kingdom with the Lord? What did I call you to do, Teresa? What, what, what are you doing to reconcile people, Teresa? Well, Lord, I paint, I draw. No, 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 no. I write books. No, Teresa. No. What is your burden? Immersion is my burden, God. Yes, Teresa. That is your burden. Build on it, Teresa. Immersion, God. Revealing Christ, God. That's my burden. Maturity, God. Growing up to the fullness. That's my burden. I was put in the earth. How are you going to do it, Teresa? The how is what I do. I do it through scribal ministry. That is the how. That's not the what. That's the how. That's the how. How do you administrate your burden, Teresa? I gather everyone that's drawn to me and I pour out this truth in them just like Jesus did with the 12. Take my call uh, to ministry service upon you and learn from me. Oh my goodness, Lord, I I'm a scribe, I write books. Teresa, wrong, readjust, Teresa. Those are tools. Okay, God, I am available for those that are open to my leadership. I, no matter how bad I feel or know what, what crazy is going on, I continue. I stay faithful. I don't take breaks because it gets hard. Yes, Teresa, that's my yoke. My yoke is endurance. My yoke is sinning until the end. My yoke is fulfilling everything. My yoke is knowing that the cares of this world are on the back end, Teresa, but that you are not blinded by them. You're able to take it up. You're able to pick up your cross, Teresa, and follow me. Yes, you have to walk this thing out without a gazillion stops. Oh my God. Oh, fullness gets us there. Biblical definition of burden. We're talking about spiritual burdens. Oh my goodness, the requirements, the responsibilities, the obligations of sonship that Christ has pressed upon his followers for the fulfillment of his intention. 
So if your burden is all about you and not all about him, there's some twistedness there. Because burdens relate to life in the spirit. Burdens, spiritual burdens relate to what's eternal. Oh my goodness. One of the most profound areas of um, burden bearing that I've seen is the ministry of hospitality when it's not arrogance and when it's not haughtiness and when people will submit to the service that God has for them, not just what they want to do. I've been really blessed in that area by people around me. I guess people are thinking, well, she's going to be talking about a high office like an apostle. No, one of the most amazing areas of service and one of the greatest ministries in the Bible is hospitality. Because the entire Bible is about hospitality, kindness, giving, showing love. It is the heartbeat of God while everybody else is scammering to be some great prophet, some great apostle, some great pastor, some great teacher. While they're carrying out all of this, the greatest ministry in our churches, in our organization, not just people setting tables. I'm talking about the ministry of kindness and concern and compassion. Everybody is supposed to have that. But there are people that run over with it because it is the glue that holds fellowship together. And they often will feel like the most unseen people in the ministry when they're really the backbone, when they're walking in the heart of God. So I just want to share that with you. If you felt out of place, know that the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He calls the servants first. So one of the greatest ministries in the church has to be that call to hospitality. When I'm teaching about the uh, musterer and the scribal capacity, the musterer was a type of scribe that, that, that existed and served in a high ranking capacity. And get this, in the military, in the Bible, in the old covenant. They were called musterers. And these, and I talk about that in scribal warfare. I'm only gonna give this, I, I, a lot of this I've already taught in my teachings inside the scribe school, but this particular scribal type existed and stood right next to the general in the army for one reason only, to give hope and encouragement and to report matters to the king. Listen, when people died, that musterer wrote down the names of the dead so they would not be forgotten, so their families would know that they mattered, so that the king would know who had died for the sake of the kingdom. Oh my goodness. Because sometimes generals in an army don't have time to check on everybody. They don't have time to make sure that everybody who not only served, but those who, those who died in service are also remembered, that their family can be encouraged, that their family can be strengthened, that their family can be proud. When we do funerals as ministers, we are the musterer in the war. 
We're not just, I'm doing another family. No, you're teaching that family that they can live and not die. Listen, there's a scripture in the old covenant that I love. It's a scripture where Jesus is telling a recorder who did not have a name, but God said to the recorder, old covenant, he said, listen, go get your scroll. I'm paraphrasing and write down the name of this man who died so that everyone will know that he was born and that he lived. Oh my goodness. See, the burden for ministry will always be reconciliation. There are all kinds of avenues to look for what reconciliation is, what it means, what it looks like. God doesn't want people walking around with broken hearts. If he can send you an exhorter or an encourager in the midst of life, because life is life right now. Life is life. There's death. Ecclesiastes 3, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to love, a time to hate. He didn't say all the negative wasn't going to happen, but he said, I prepared you for it. I prepared a way out. So when we look at burden, you need to be saying, what is my contribution to this world in the name of the Lord? that he put in me that I can't let go. I watch hospitality people. I have one in particular that I'm thinking of as I talk about this, just thoughtful all the time. Always doing something for me. Always doing something for my family. And sometimes I feel overwhelmed by it because I feel like I'm using the person. When it's not using them, that's their ministry. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Entertainment is hospitality. And if you have my book, Spiritually Critiquing, it, it, that will change your life because the word entertainment biblically is hospitality. Oh, oh. anyway, let's move on because I'm only on like the fourth slide. And we're going to move through spiritual burdens released by the Lord. Spiritual burdens is what we're talking about. Released by the Lord through Holy Spirit. Some burdens focus on the work of the ministry. What do I mean by that? Some people feel called to pastor. And when I say pastor, I mean like what I mean, the level that you see people pastoring in church congregations and men not fly by ministry, you know, I'm ministering to everybody here and there. That's the type of ministry, but it's not what um, vocational ministry is. We, these are, so I'll just say, we'll get to burden bearers in a minute. Some burdens focus on the work of the ministry. Some burdens are seasonal, like, oh my God, I feel like I need to pray for X, Y, and Z. I feel like um, I need to do this temporary. The Lord has given me a burden for um, the homeless and it only lasted about six months of your life and now you're moving to something else. So that might be a seasonal type of burden, whereas some people dedicate their whole lives to helping the homeless. That's a burden. That's a burden bearing call. I hope this is making sense. Oh my God. God. So some people need to really look because if all your ministry does is charge fees, 
if all you do is hear God and start classes, if you if, if you um, count ministry as well, I ministered to this person yesterday and you never have contact with them again, you might want to look at that because burdens keep you in place. They keep you positioned to fulfill a mandate that could last your entire life. And it doesn't involve the stuff you do. It involves the people you selflessly serve. Don't be mad. I'm teaching the word. I'm teaching the word. I'm not teaching Teresa. The Lord is speaking to me. And I stand by it. Because of the spirit of this age, we have to be really, really careful about what we're doing because most of most people that I have encountered are hanging around the, the machine and the circus of it. And they've missed the yoke and the burden. Some burdens are assignment specific, prayer, intercession, teaching. Now, one burden that I love is people whose entire lives are dedicated to intercession and prayer because their burden is not what they're praying for. It's the fact that they're called to intercede. It's the fact that they're always in a prayer. The burden is to pray that leader through, to pray that person through. Some of those types of burden bearers are assigned only to leaders, only to certain things certain graces they're called to it so you know they won't be doing something else next week <laughs> they'll be doing this for their whole lives oh that's see maturity sets those kinds of things in place some burdens change and shift with connections the ministry of helps work walk like this Common in ministry, common in the ministry of helps and support staff, they adjust. You'll find people like this able to adjust to anything. Whoever they're serving, they cannot help it. And they always assign to a particular group of people or a particular person type. And if they're humble and broken in it, they'll fulfill their ministry. And sometimes it gets hard because they're like, I'm always serving other people. But if it's a burden bearing ministry, that is why. That is why it's God's ministry through you to that person, that group, that leader, that organization, that region, whatever it is. Oh man, I hope this is helping y'all kind of quiet. Some burdens change and shift with connections coming when your assignment is to lift the burden of others who are leading. Common and close alignment where impartation is strong. I have some very close relationships in my life where I've allowed and make room for the impartation. This is mutual. I, I, there's a, um, one of my sons in the Lord. I, I, I think I saw him come on a minute ago. There's a mutual impartation in that, re in that relationship. It's mutual. It's not one way. And why is that? Because spiritual maturity meets spiritual maturity. And it, there's a transfer when that happens. Anyway, some burdens, especially in vocational ministry, are lifelong. For example, immerse, immersion is lifelong for me. 
anyone who connects with me on a, on a more than a simplistic basis will find themselves immersed. You'll be scratching your head because I give too much information about the scribe. I can't help it. I'm immersive. When I'm teaching, you'll be going in all different directions. I, I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up some people because I'm immersive and I can't apologize for that. That's how God made me. But the people who hang on to it eventually began to enter in and follow. I will not apologize for who I am. And you shouldn't either, even if you are simple. Simple is as good as deep. Because God is a gap filler and a gap dweller. He makes room for everyone. There is no cracks in the Lord. Oh my God. Some burdens are vocational. We're going to talk about that. Don't worry. We're going to talk about it. And I'm going to show it to you in the scripture, line by line. And you can go and study it out from Genesis, the revel well, not from Genesis, but from the time that Moses began the con congregation until today. You will see it in the overall vision for the congregation. Burdens of the sun are never selfish but the burdens people pick and choose are. Burdens released by the sun, by, I'm sorry, burdens of the sun, meaning Jesus's burdens are never, burden, are never um, selfish. Not a single burden he had was selfish. Not a single burden he had served himself. This is spiritual burden. Burdens released by the sun to us are the same way. They're the same way. And there are all kinds of burden types. Um, I put this picture at the bottom because this is the life cycle of a burden. God puts a, puts a um, idea in us. He prompts us. We start digging it out. And when we learn things, we get a seed and we plant that seed in us. And the example I used yesterday in the master class, I just simply said, one day, all I knew to do was poetry. I have nothing else. And I thought I was doing ministry. And I was in the capacity that I was in at that time. I wasn't, I was too young in the Lord and had no knowledge of the Lord to the degree that I needed to do more than what I was doing then. I had to maximize where I was. So what did I do? I started going to open mics sharing my testimony through poetry and spoken word. I know my name is Teresa. Um, you know, other things that I did. I'm digging and didn't even realize I was digging. I was digging like a kid exploring and didn't even know it. Then something hit me and that word was called scribe. That word scribe became a seed in my heart. And I'm looking it up, I'm studying, I'm still doing scribal stuff, I'm not stopping, I'm doing poetry, spoken word, people are drawn to me, we're sharing poetry, we're now having Bible study, now I'm teaching a scripture about what it means to have the, um, let the word of my mouth, let the word of my, um, whatever the scripture is, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, I'm explaining that scripture, and we're growing, we're planting, we're putting out more seeds, God began to water that. 
oh my God, I'm a nut now. I can't stop teaching. I can't stop searching the word. I can't stop. I'm becoming immersive without even realizing I'm becoming immersive. I'm studying everything, devouring books, sitting at the feet of anybody that would give me the time, asking a thousand questions. I'm praying all the time, holding a prayer line, you know, leading, mentoring. Then, and then one day I realized I'm a leader. I was watering, nurturing, cultivating a burden I didn't even know I had. Didn't even know that was my burden. Had no idea. But when maturity met me, understanding came, wisdom came, knowledge came, help came, the scribal anointing came, and understanding of maturity came because when you cross over, when you really cross over, you can see yourself for who you really are. You can see yourself with all the cracks in the fence. And you can also see what you still need when you're broken and you cross over. Look, clear burdens we see in the Bible, burdens to love and obey him. These are Jesus's burdens. Jesus had a burden to love and obey God based solely on his word. Jesus had a burden to mature other people. That was his yoke and that was his service. Jesus had a burden for development of people, yoke, service. Jesus had a burden to contribute to the development of others, not just contributing to his own development. He made sure his yoke, his, his calling, he made sure that his call to service was coming forth. He had burdens to walk out his personal destiny. Jesus's personal destiny was to become the son of God. It wasn't go to the cross. It was be who the word spoke that I would be. Oh my God. Oh, it was his yoke, his service. Burdens to use our personal destiny and purpose for corporate good. Right now, this is how bad things are in the body. My calling is to help people get published and, and that's all people think about. They mean, they nasty, they don't give away nothing for free. They in the world. Every time you see, I ain't giving nothing away for free. Well, you better if God tells you to. It's better to help than to help yourself. How about that? People get angry with me because they say I give too much. But I tell you what, I'm blessed because of it. Blessings that those who don't know me will never know about. Favor beyond imagination. I don't have to tell people I have favor. When they travel with me, they see it. I don't have to brag about the favor on my life. We should all have favor within our measure. It's not given to any private person. That whole teaching about some people that have these men, that's a bunch of crap. And I'm here to tell you that. All of you, when you cultivate your calling, have a grace and a level of favor that follows your life. If you're not experiencing that, maybe the issue is not that God is not with you. Have you cultivated the things in your life that gets you there. 
and positioned you. I shut my ears when people start bragging about their favorite because it's bragging. I'll never do it. I'll never do it. And I pray that you don't. If I'm going to boast, I'm a boast in revelation like this that God gives me. That's what I'm going to boast in. True burden will always be rooted in the greatest two commandments. Always. Where is the love in that? Huh? Where, where is it? Because that's what service and ministry is. Where are the people in that? Not just all your pretty books and all your, your the people you name and that you ministered with. Nobody cares. Heaven isn't concerned with that. That's not that. I don't even consider that favor. I don't. But look, to different strokes for different people. I'd rather be with a humble and a broken person. I'd rather be with a person that can get a prayer through than somebody pretty to look at that everybody then ain't saying nothing when you listen to the words. I'm just, that's just where I'm at. And I want to bring conservators to that place. You need to know the difference between a sideshow and real spiritual authority. Spiritual burdens released by the Lord through Holy Spirit. Some burdens focus on the work of ministry. Some burdens are seasonal. I think I just said that. Some burdens are assignment specific. And those are, these are, they're different types. But what I want you to identify is the burden of your life. We can all do this and that. It's easy to do this and that. But what the, the, the heart of the thing is in your life song. Why are you here? Man, when I think about um, um, this particular person, you know, they bake things and they, they do whatever you need. They make life easy when life is hard. They bring grace. They deliver grace. They deliver mercy. They deliver hope. They deliver hope. Just some small thing. I got this note yesterday in the mail. And I just sat at my desk and I wept. And it was the funniest note. I was, it was a hilarious little note because the person's personality was all in the note. And, you know, they wanted to drop me a note, but they wrote on the front of the paper, the back of the paper, tore off a strip of paper and wrote a little note on that. And I am cracking up because <laughs> their little note was more than a little note and it just fit their personality. But it just touched my heart so deeply, so very deeply. And, and you know, some burdens and vocational ministry are lifelong and they exist on a straight line. What I mean, I mean that it is so specific, which is, which is just apostolic, that's all that is, that there's a start and a finish and there are extremes. It's like OCD in the middle of their calling. You can see that in a lot of pastoral ministries where people treat the pastors like dirt but somehow the calling breaks them and still positions them to love people no matter how ugly and dirty they've been done by people who come through their ministries. They're still able to stand because it's a calling and God sustains callings, real callings, vocational callings. Anyway, I'm gonna move on because 
Um, what is your call to service? So many of us struggle in this area and I really don't answer people who are not um, really, really close to me that I don't have a hand in developing when they ask me this question. I'm like, well, you have to ask God what your calling is. You really do. And, um, you know, and you have to first understand what everybody's calling is, reconciliation. Where is what you like to do fitting in that area? What is your call to service? I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm called to vocational ministry. I am, which is devoting your whole life, not just part of your life, devoting your whole life to others at the level of Christ and the apostles in the scriptures. Doesn't make me better because I'm in vocational ministry. It just says, I know where I stand in ministry. I know what I'm called to. I, on my worst day, the Lord, I, I've had some horrible days, but I can never stop doing this. It's like, I can't sleep. If I try not to do this and I have over the course of my life, if I try to walk away, I'm so disturbed and unpeaceful. I don't, I can't even begin to tell you how tormenting it is and not tormenting that God is doing something to me, but the conviction is strong. The conviction is unbearable because that's what I was put here for. I mean, I heard somebody post something other, well, a lot of times, but they post, I threw the towel at God and he threw it back. It was something like that I saw on social media. Now that can be true for hospitality, calls to service and works of service. But when you're called to vocational ministry, there is a difference. There is a difference. God will, you remember the whole story of Jonah? I don't want to go into the old covenant. I just want to show you that Jonah could not escape that. He couldn't. You saw what happened to Paul. He couldn't escape it. And there's a few places where Paul actually complained. He's like, God, I'm tired. I'm I just, I can't. But he said, look, God is with me. You see that a lot among the apostles. A lot. Most people don't have vocational ministry. That's a rarity in the faith, not a norm. Most people are called to works of service and fill in the gaps around vocational ministry. That's not a lesser than. It's all equal if you understand the heart of God and his intention. We're here to build a house. A house with just the foundation is an incomplete house. The foundation is necessary, but it's still an incomplete house. The new covenant is about building the house. Every nail matters. Every piece of wood determines the stability of that house. Oh my goodness. I'm going to show you something. I didn't know that was the last slide, but it is. Thank you for bearing with me. I know I've been teaching for an hour now. 
50 minutes, but we're going to show you in scripture and I'm going to bring something to your attention that I think is very important right now. Um, I believe this is the right passage. Um, I want you to just hear this. There are many places that there are examples like this in, but I think it's important to bring this here because over the course of my ministry life, I found myself very upset in ministry, especially when I was younger, because I felt like all the attention was on the pastors, all the attention was on the leaders. And then, you know, I was around people that were like, we all the same. What makes you think you're better than me? Because I, and then when I look back at that and I look back at all the conversations that I engaged in, well, I had the nerve to look at leaders around me and say, we the same. I realize now, and, and, you know, thank God I'm matured that we are in the same love. We are in the same love the same heart, the same family. You are my brother, you are my sister, but there are different levels of authority in your calling. I'm gonna say it like that. And if you are a part of a community, then there'll be different levels of authority within that community based on the leadership structure. And I'm choosing my words carefully because I don't go for no hierarchical nuttiness. But I do believe in authority and i do believe in honoring authority and i do believe that when you're building leaders and building relationships you have to be able to talk to and have relationship with people that you're going to present to help you in anything so my rule of thumb in ministry has never been to you know people well why they didn't i've been at this church 50 years and they didn't move me into a pastoral position you know we have all kinds of arguments but i always say Sometimes we have to look at things a bit differently. And so in the conservatory, in our private time, we have those kinds of conversations. But I want you to hear this particular conversation with this group. Let's set some truth here. This is um, an organizing, they're, they're organizing here. They're looking at how to best make the best use of time for the help, Ministry of Helps, as well as the apostolic leadership in this particular situation. So they're saying, who is best suited to do what? So that's the conversation that's taking place right here. So listen to this. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in daily distribution of food. In other words, let's put it in modern terminology. You got people complaining in the church because some things are not getting um, the amount of attention that it needs to get from the pastor or the leader or the apostle. So they, they're fussing among themselves about how this is supposed to happen. So what happened instead? So the 12 gathered and all the disciples together and said, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together. So the church came together, all the people involved in that movement at the time, they came together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. I wanna hold you right there. If you are a person and you are called and you have the reach, you have the authority, you have the evidence, 
you have the proof and you're doing the work of the ministry that's more visible, that's more out there, that is more prominent. You have a greater reach. You can do more than some of the other people. They're saying, listen, let's divide up the responsibility because the calling on your life, the burden that you carry is a burden for you to do X, Y, and Z. So we think it would be better if we let you do this and we'll wait on tables. I want you to hear this. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God to wait on tables. Let that resonate in you for a minute. Then it says within this community, brothers and sisters, choose seven men, seven people today, because our community is different. We are in a new day where equality rules. It says brothers and sisters, because look, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit of wisdom. Oh my goodness. So I need to choose from people who are holy, who are righteous, who with me, who show that they love me, who show that they love the ministry, who are already helping. I need to choose people from that community who has proven to be full of spirit and full of wisdom. I want you to hear this because we hear a lot of nutty stuff. Yeah, yeah, you are, you, God speak to me too. I, God told me I'm a prophet, but you're not a prophet in this house because you don't even fellowship with us. We don't really know you. You don't talk to the leader, but you do you. Nobody knows what's going on in your perfect life, but you want to be a part of everything, right? You want to be here. You want to be there. There's no sacrifice from you. Listen, community demands togetherness because together we identify gifts. We identify callings. We identify where we fit. We identify by what is needed. We understand burden better together that we will ever understand it apart. My gift is for you. Your gift is for me. Our gift is for one another. So here you go, brothers and sisters, just choose seven people from among you to wait tables. Cause we need somebody to wait tables. Well, God called me to preach. He didn't call me to wait on no table. That, that's the attitude of people today. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. You have to figure out within your community who is, who is ready to give attention to prayer. If all you're doing is posting Shula King videos all day on your Facebook page, how in the world can I trust you with weightier things? I know that was a ridiculous example, but I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Because that's where your head at. When you see people doing things like that, that's a mind issue. You're knowing what they're probably going to be petty, self-centered. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Not being funny, but we need to see what is happening. 
Listen, listen. Oh my goodness. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. I know that I'm in the part of my life where attention is given to prayer and ministry of the word. I know that where I am in my life is to give attention to prayer and ministry of the word. I know that it, with evidence, with proof, with understanding, with community support, with witnesses near and far, with witnesses locally and internationally. I'm, I hope you're hearing me. People can vouch for this. I've had people say to me, I'm walking in a place. I've seen it happen to my mentor and other pastors that I know. No, Apostle Teresa, you sit down. You don't need to be sweeping the floor and putting up chairs. But listen, I want to help. No. But see, when people are immature, they see that as people serving you and flocking to you and treating you like an idol because their understanding is in a low place. They're not understanding that some people know what this means and they understand that it's not a exerting yourself above. People understand, listen, you can't do this and that because teaching and running a ministry and mentoring people at the level of authority that God has given you in your life or X, Y, and Z in their life requires a different kind of grace. I hope this is making sense. I'm not sharing this with you to promote myself. I never do that. God is my witness. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not even trying to persuade anybody to help me because I know this. I have people that already are right there anyway without me ever having to teach it. But I got a burden for ministry, but no one wants to do anything but serve themselves. What is your burden? If you're really in a community, what is your burden? As, a prophet, as the prophet said, are you involved? I can't remember the other word. If anybody remember that, I think prophet LA taught on it. And um, Prophet Andrea Tanan, are you involved or are you, I can't think of the other word, engaged, that's it. Are you involved or are you engaged? Most people are just involved and they will rape you for everything that you have and there will be nothing in return. It's just the way of the world, but the way of the kingdom. Then I want you to see this. This proposal pleased the whole group. So you're looking at church being um, structured. You're seeing that community being structured. You're seeing order of leadership being put in place. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They also chose Philip. They chose Pocorus, Nicanor, Timon, Timon, um, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Oh my God. They presented these men to the apostles, next level leadership, who prayed and laid hands on them. It's an honor to release people into their calling and into their ministry. 
And to, and all this was, was giving them a grace saying, Hey, I believe in you. I vouch for the spirit of God on your life. I know you love the people. I'll stand as a witness with you. I know I can trust you to carry on what you've been taught and that you won't turn it into another gospel, that you'll do it in the heart of the Lord. This is, I, we are affirming one another in community so that the people in the community know they can trust you. Oh my God, know that they can count on you. Know that you will love them and keep them. That's what this is supposed to mean when we, when we you know, ordain people. But this internet stuff that people do has changed that. And there's people trying to grow ministry real fast. They just call you anything. Don't even know your middle name. So the word of God was spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Huh. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Oh, some priests were disobedient and they became obedient. Hmm. Interesting. The priests, we're talking about the priests that were the scribes, Pharisees, those people that were still, listen, so here we have um, verse eight. I want you to see this and then I'm done. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But listen to this, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the spirit gave him as he spoke. Oh my God. They couldn't stand up to the wisdom of the spirit of God that he gave Stephen as he spoke. In other words, they were broken under that word and they fought him. They hated him because of it. Couldn't stand it. <laughs> but there he was. And we know what happened later to Stephen. But I want you to see that. I want you to see the grace that fell over Stephen who was just as capable as any of the other apostles that were there. But they separated for the greater good. So knowing your place matters. Knowing your burden matters. It's not less than to be a, a burden bearer that falls in the ministry of helps. Anyone who loves the ministry of hospitality and helps, you're in the help side because that's your greatest burden. But yet people will fight you day and night because for some reason in their mind, they think that that's a less than ministry. And it's not. If your first love is hospitality, then live that ministry to the fullest. Serve where you are needed. Be a gap dweller. Or be on the forefront. It works both ways, but it is a ministry of service, not just payment. No apostles sold their gifting for bread, not one, but they did work. They did have gifts and talents, but they didn't sell their ministry. 
That's another story. Father, we just pray that we really understand what our burden is, that we really recognize that our burden is directly connected to reconciliation, that is directly connected to purpose, that it is directly connected to community. And Father, people can do what they want. I'm just sharing the word. Makes me no different. I appreciate everybody who has helped me and is helping me in this ministry. Bless them, God. Bless those who are searching and seeking to find their way. Help them find where they're supposed to be connected in Jesus' name. Father, move on their lives that they understand that their purpose is not just individual, but it's shared. We don't take on burdens, but we share them. The, the, the burdens of trouble, the burdens of trial, the burdens, Lord, that weigh us down. But the burden of ministry, Lord God, that's pure. That is free. That is clear. It is our call to service that we cannot shake in Jesus' name, that we cannot let go, that we are constantly working. And I, I need to show this side one more slide, so one more time. I just heard that in my spirit. I want to show you something right here. Find out, ask God where you stopped in your process. That's what I heard. What have you let go and you've abandoned? Did you stop here? Did you not dig far enough? Did you put the talent in the ground and leave? Did you water and got a revelation and got stuck and can't move past it? Or are you growing? Because if you're growing, you're growing in service, right? You're growing in the yoke, right? Because growth is in the yoke. It's in the yoke. And in that yoke, the burden is activated and moves out by the grace of Jesus. So Father, we pray that wherever we are in these stages, wherever I am in these stages, God, Lord, I pray that I'm between these two all the time, between the watering and the sprouting, between the watering and the growing all the time, the weeding, whatever needs to take place, God. I pray that you do that in our heart. I pray that you release. Um, I hear this so profoundly. Some of you are so fixated on your calling that it has kept you in a state of depression, a state of confusion, and really a state of chaos. And I hear the Lord saying, lay down this desire to want to be something and receive the fact that you have always been something to God, that God called you to do what he called you to do before you ever did anything. I hear the Lord saying, go back to the Lord's first love for you. The love to serve, to be a help to one another. Father, we heal the places where we ask that you heal the places where people feel like that they haven't been helped. Let them not idolize their lack in the name of Jesus. Let us not linger in our lack, Father. Let us shift our mind to the mind of Christ and begin identifying our abundance in Jesus' name. If we have lacked in one place, it simply means that God has kept us in the middle of what we have needed. He stepped us and strengthened us. He's allowed us to stand even when we didn't have what he, we needed. And he filled in the gaps along the way so that we would live and not die. 
Let us see the alternative, Father. We pray for the mind of Christ to come upon us in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that you we come against overthinking, the racing mind, the confusion of the mind in the name of Jesus. And we ask for peace, Lord, peace be still in that mind. And let them shift to the love of God. God loves me and I love God. God loves me and I love God. And well, we declare that no person is responsible for anyone's growth and development, that we are all independently responsible for our own growth and development. And we are constantly being pushed towards seeing Jesus and having Christ revealed in Jesus' name. Reveal you in us, God. Reveal you in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you all. Next week, we're going to be talking about um, weight.